Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends. Brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello, 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 and welcome into the week two edition of the Pros with Joe's podcast. I'm your host, John Dansby, and with me as always is my writer die, co-founder of the league himself, Mr. Eric Romoff. Eric, week two is in the books, and our listeners are hungry for some dank nugs. What do we have lined up this week? Yeah, more more of the same. Another exciting week of NFL football is, is in the books. And as always on the Pros with Joe's podcast, we're going to be reviewing everything that happened across the, the various charity leagues. Uh, we're going to spend a little time touching on the news and notes from around the world of the NFL, and we'll cap it all off getting to know our two guests for tonight, Jay Felicio, Brian Garland, will be joining us in the back half of the show, uh, getting to know each of them a little bit more and spending some time answering your questions heading into week three. Love it. Uh, with that, let's just get just jump right in. Uh, what stood out to me this week was, was the injury front. Uh, we saw quarterbacks falling left and right with Tyrod Taylor. Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz, and Tua all going down and not finishing their games. Uh, seems like all the 49ers backfield is on the trainer's table right now, and, and guys like Deontay, Deontay Johnson and Jarvis Landry are leaving and, and looks like they're headed to the IR. Um, what were your thoughts on week two? Anything that surprised you or, or anything that stuck out or what you're keeping an eye on for week three? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, week two, it's I mean, it's it's really kind of a pivotal week in the in the course of an NFL schedule. Right. Uh, week one has its fair share of surprises. So I, I feel like week yep. two is sort of the bounce back point. You know, we either yep. uh, establish a new trend line and confirm some of the things that we saw from week one or we see players bounce back to the form that we were looking for when we drafted them uh, a few short weeks prior. Um, so, you know, overall, it's it's a it's a really interesting look at uh, you know how the rest of the season might play out, and yeah. more than anything, what I'm keeping an eye on is all the fallout from the injuries that you mentioned. Right, those are just a few of the guys that left week two nicked up. Um, you know, the the bad news unfortunately still lingers out there. You mentioned Jarvis Landry; he's on his way to to the injured reserve. Tyrod Taylor. The, the feel-good story of the, the quarterback market for the Houston Texans yep. has been ruled out for their game on, on Thursday night. And at least for me, one of the more interesting situations that is born of injury is what's going on with Andy Dalton. He's, he's been ruled out of this week's game. He's considered week-to-week week with a bone bruise in his knee. And for me, it's field season, baby. I've been drafting and holding Justin Fields for this exact moment as a high upside quarterback two to hold on the back end of my roster. And we got to see about a half's worth of football for him last week when Andy Dalton went down with that injury. And what you what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, he he didn't look great, right? He looked a lot like a rookie quarterback in his first NFL start. There were a couple of bad plays. Uh the the interception that he threw was absolutely horrendous. He was behind 
what would be a wide open drag route across the middle and basically yeah. threw it directly into the breadbasket of the waiting defender. So there, there's certainly some things that he'll need to clean up on the on the film room. But I, I do think that we saw a lot of what we were hoping for from Justin Fields when he was drafted this this April. Uh, you know, as as a airtight time passes into really closing windows uh unfortunately on on his end there were a few balls i, I think three specifically two from a rob one from daryl mooney that um should have typically been caught they all hit the turf two of those look like they were very likely to be touchdowns so you know you, you look at the end of his day completed six passes he had 31 yards passing uh he did have that interception but i do think that under most circumstances, he should have at least a touchdown or two on the board. And I'm really, really bullish on what he can do this week in, in Chicago. You know, as a as a longtime Bears fan, uh, this situation is all too familiar to me. Um, you know, we, we love to, to sign casted off quarterbacks, um, Andy Dalton being the latest iteration. Um, so we just as fans we kind of wait and watch to see when that person's going to fall and then who we drafted how they're going to stand up uh tried mitchell trubisky did not work out obviously uh and now we've got we've got justin fields um again you're you're right he's a rookie quarterback he's going to make rookie errors uh that's that's something that that we can't look too much into um but just again, as a Bears fan, I stumbled across this today just in, in frustration. The Bears haven't had a quarterback start 16 games in a season since 2009, and that was Jay Cutler, another quarterback cast off. So, you know, as a, as a Bears fan, I'm hopeful that Justin Fields can, can step up and, and we can, you know, move past the one and a half or the the two andy dalton starts um but it'll be interesting to see how he how he works in his first career start uh this this week um you know like yeah, you i said, don't i don't know uh, if it's just an affinity for these kind of replacement level quarterbacks or what but despite being ruled out this week matt Nagy has already come out and and thrown his support behind Andy Dalton he's he's reiterated that he is the starter when he's healthy um yeah it's something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my mind um but I mean you you raise a fair point right the the Bears have a proud history of starting <laughs> average quarterbacks proud. at best <laughs> <laughs> it's sad but thank you for that that dagger twist uh but <laughs> That, you know that's that's great. Let's let's just move on uh, into to some more news uh, that's that's not so downtrodden for for my my fandom over here. Yeah, I mean, I I think the the adage is is misery loves company, right? So while yeah. uh, while your team is dealing with some injury woes and some uncertainty. Um, just know that you're you're not alone in this, right? The, like I mentioned before, the fallout from the injuries around the league are, are really the things to be tracking and and watching uh, as as the week unfolds. So 
Uh, Wednesdays usually a really big day for injury reports and practice reports. Um, we we got a lot of uh, updates and insights already. Uh, you mentioned two tags at the top. Uh, he is dealing with a rib injury and he has already been ruled out. So we are looking at an absolutely exhilarating Jacoby Brissett start <laughs> for the Dolphins this week. Um, you know the the thing with these rib injuries it it always amazes me because they're they're cast as pain management situations and just how many players in the NFL actually play through broken ribs or bruised ribs is just mind-boggling to me um but at least in the case of week 3 they had to throw in the towel on on Tua and he's he's going to be riding the pine in in this week's matchup yeah uh fractured ribs are are nothing to 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 write off um you know i I broke my ribs in the army and it is a debilitating injury. And the fact that these guys can go and play at the, the, the level that they are able to perform with that injury uh, says a lot. So it means that, that Tua is really, really in a lot of pain right now. If, if they're already ruling him out. So who, who else do we have out there that uh, that's going to sit? Yeah, honestly, this is this is probably just the conspiracy theorist in me. Um, but if if you look at this this Dolphins team, the way that they've positioned themselves, you know, through the draft, through previous years where they were allegedly not tanking, um, you know, I I think that they feel like they have a win now window opening at least at minimum. They were you know considering themselves playoff if not division contenders heading into this season. So now after getting absolutely steamrolled by the Buffalo Bills in week two and heading into uh, what looks to be a very tough game against a suddenly 2-0 and Raiders team, it kind of makes me wonder if this injury to Tua, if it persists much longer, if it maybe stokes the flame on these Deshaun Watson trade rumors with the Houston Texans. Uh, well, I mean... Maybe getting, maybe maybe getting him away from uh, the current environment might be good for for him. But uh, you know, I I don't know that that Miami is is ready to trade on that because they do have such an investment in Tua. Um, but it will be interesting to see you know how long he sits out and and you know how he responds once he comes back because. Uh, you know, it's it's on his throwing side. That's that's even more intense of an injury for a quarterback and one that throws. So it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I personally, I don't think that Miami's going to make any moves to trade because one, like you said, they're not tanking. Wink, wink. <laughs> they they seem to be perpetually tanking. Um, and and you know, based on what I've seen this year. I don't see any contention in their division. Uh, you've got a strong Patriots uh, team, as usual. Um, I just, I, I don't see them being competitive or, you know, being competitive against even the Bills um, for a wild card. So, I, you know, I we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But um, really, I think, too, is going to come back and, and be 
be the Dolphins guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the Dolphins situation is is really one to monitor closely with this this two injury. You know, looking around the the rest of the league, um, you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom out there. We we saw the this Browns team really get bit by the injury bug in week two. But now that we are through our first full practice of the week, we've actually got a couple of players returning to a full practice in uh, on, in this Wednesday report, that being Baker Mayfield. And for the first time all year, his running mate, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, both yes. being in the right direction for uh, for this, this Cleveland team, despite injuries they're dealing with in other parts of the field. Yeah, I lost... Uh... I lost Jarvis Landry in a couple of my leagues this last week. Um, but honestly, I'm I'm excited to see Baker and OBJ back together again. Uh, they are they're mag they're magical when they're sinking. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see them them come back together this year. Yeah, I mean I'm not the biggest fan of what of how OBJ was utilized in this offense to date, but just given how much attrition there is with, with the pass catchers and, and the injuries they've suffered on this Browns team. I mean, it's, it's hard not to at least be somewhat optimistic, maybe cautiously optimistic for, for Odell Beckham's return this week uh, for, yep. for the Browns. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of players that, that, there are a lot of uh, managers that, that drafted OBJ um, are pretty excited um, like I said, I had Jarvis, so I'm upset, but the ones that have OBJ are pretty excited that Jarvis went down, uh, because I think you're going to see more production on the, the OBJ, OBJ side of, of the Cleveland Brown offense. Absolutely. So, uh, another, um, one that I'm looking forward to watching play out, um, you know, whipping whipping around the uh, the charity league itself, um, we've we've got week two in the books. Um, so you know, really excited to see how how this all played out. Um, uh, now that we have two weeks in, um, and So, so moving on, uh, we've got week two in the books. Um, you know, last week in the league, uh, we had the, the, the three different divisions. Uh, pizza was supreme. Nobody beat anybody like a drum or fell flat in the wings. And the nachos were heavily topped. But how'd they turn out this week in week two? Yeah, a lot of really interesting developments across the league. Uh, we talked a little bit about Stefania Bell and her week one performance, and she continues crush. to just crush souls across <laughs> this pizza conference. She's now sitting two and zero. She scored well over three hundred points in these two weeks, uh, compared to about two hundred and fifty, two hundred and fifty-five uh, points scored for the the league average. So is is very much so, um, you know, putting a hurting on on her opponents uh, this week in particular. 
She is the lucky recipient of the Derrick Henry blow-up week. Went a long way to her 182-point outing uh, that that ultimately secured her 2-0 record. Um, you know, on on the other side of the spectrum, uh, while while Stefania ran away with with a significant margin of victory, uh, our guest from Week One, Shane Barrett, barely ekes by Kevin Tompkins. He he wins his uh, his Week Two matchup by 0.5 points. He had Robert Tunyon going in that Monday night game. And that touchdown put him just barely ahead of Kevin and locked in the win for a comeback or a rebound, now sitting at one and one. Oof, that hurts. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's rough. Um, well, we've had a we've had some some eked out wins, but let's talk about a team that is really really looking right now. Yeah, we we talked about her team last week as maybe the the most deep from top to bottom, and that's that's Sam Holt. Um, she's sitting there at at zero and two. She was she was unfortunate to catch another L this week, but she's put up two hundred and eighty points. She's actually the fifth highest scoring team in the league, and she she just can't seem to catch her break. Uh, she was on the wrong end of the Derrick Henry game this week. Yeah. Um, so there are there are uh, no shortage of fantasy managers out there who put up stellar performances uh, only to see it dwindle away at the hands of, of King Henry. So uh, yep. still a storyline that we're going to be keeping an eye on as as the weeks unfold. Yeah, I think uh, when you're when you're playing a team that puts up 180 points, uh, you just kind of bow out and hope for next week. Um, you know, Derrick Henry was the difference in that score this week. And it's just, the guy was a beast. And, you know, that's why people paid so much and, and put him so high in the drafts. The Derrick Henry is, he's for real. And he, I feel like this is not the first game or the, the last game this season that we're going to see that kind of performance from him. Yeah, absolutely not. So moving on, we've, we've talked a little bit about the injuries across the NFL, but like how how's the league responded to these regarding, you know, waiver wire claims and 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 trades or any kind of moves um, like what does this look like moving forward with with all of these players landing on the IR? Yeah, so it was it was a busy week uh, with regard to the waiver report. There, there weren't quite as uh, as big a swing as as people uh, as many people pushing their chips all the way into the center uh, here in in week two, like we saw mainly with Eli Mitchell last week. Uh, with with the week two run, um, there were three names that were very much so the most expensive players. Those being Cordell Patterson, uh, mm-hmm. Troy King, John June, each put in uh, three hundred bucks, thirty percent of their fab to acquire Patterson services. Uh, JD McKissick was somehow still out there um, uh, in, in that conference and John and Pemba picked him up for uh, 25% of his, his budget. And then KJ Osborne, um, the uh, boomer bust Minnesota Viking wide receiver uh, was added to team Kluge for 170 bucks. Yeah, that's uh that's not as, as crazy as last week, but that 
that brings up an interesting point. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Team Stefania's bid on on Mitchell. Uh, she remind me the percentage that she spent on. Yeah, Eli. she uh, she spent seventy five percent of her season budget in week one on Eli Mitchell. Seventy five percent, which translated this week to seven and a half points there, uh, give or take. Uh, so I'm going to take a victory lap on this one because uh, I'm not going to put 75% of my season on somebody that's that's going to give me 7.5%. Um, so early on, I'm taking the victory. I'm marking it as, 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 as I was right. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about uh, the the closest call in in our our waiver claims this week yeah yeah I, I guess kind of looking back or one more point to to last week I, I talk about it a lot when I refer to managing uh, and and sort of the strategy of of the waiver process there is power being a week early if you look back to last week, Marcus Grant acquired Cordell Patterson for a dollar on a on a thousand dollar fab budget, and That's now two weeks banana. in, he's going for thirty percent of budget. So um, definitely, I, I feel like the the sharp manager is one that's trying to be a week ahead instead of a week behind, and just constantly churning through uh, those those players and and the backside of their bench. And that's that's really what is uh, you know uh, informing and, and building out some of these other categories. You mentioned the closest call, Scott Engel just barely missed on Quintess Cephas. Uh, he was $5 short. His $75 bid fell to Jen Piacenti for uh, ultimately an $80 winning bid. Um, and then on the, the budget shopper, actually, Scott was our guy last week. This week, Doc Roto, one of our big spenders from week one, he was pinching those pennies a bit more. He acquired Taylor Heineke and Jared Cook for a measly $16. And I think that those are going to be wow. players that we fast forward a few weeks and we might be circling them the way that we circled Patterson for uh for mg here this week yeah i and i i always love a jared cook um you know he's he's kind of a dark horse in that in that slot but um that's a value buy and i love value buys in this league you know because you know if we're in week two and we're already seeing the results of of some of these these smarter buys um and i love it so you know that's if we didn't we didn't see as much action as I anticipated on the waivers because of the injuries, um, but you know, I think I think we're we're kind of in a wait and see in week two, where we're just going to kind of let it play out and see you know what week three is going to do and and I think we may see some bigger waiver claims moving into next week um, and and hopefully some some really good values to talk about um but yeah that, the, that pretty... the thing about the the cook acquisition that i i really like if, if if you had a chance to watch that dallas chargers game he actually had a touchdown pulled off the board and a red zone reception pulled off the board on some pretty ticky tack penalties it's like an illegal shift and an illegal motion or illegal downfield and so i mean kudos to doc right like 
those are the plays that aren't going to show up in a box score. But if you watch the tape on every game, you can see the way that this Chargers offense is intending to use Jared Cook. So had either of those not been called back, Jared Cook's probably one of the top two or three most expensive acquisitions. But because they didn't hit the box score, kind of stays below the radar, Doc's able to swoop in and get him for pennies on the dollar in my in my estimation i yeah and i i again love it um but i i think i think we can we can slide into uh what's next um you know we're 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 really excited today to to welcome in jay felicio from front yard fantasy Yeah, we've we've got uh, Jay Felicio coming in from uh, from the front yard fantasy crew. We've got uh, his running mate Brian Garland um, also uh, alongside with us. So we're going to be spending a little bit of time getting to know those two and, and hearing their story. Um, while we're waiting for them to make their way in, we can take another look at, um, or rather, a last look at the the Fab Cycle for the charity league. And that's our that's our interesting pick. Um, so this week it was it was Team Stiefel, Ben Stiefel. Um, he went out and he spent thirty dollars on Jeff Wilson, uh, another player in that vaunted San Francisco backfield. Right? You mentioned just about every yeah. running back uh, for the for the 49ers was um, was on the trainer's table at one point or another, um, whether it be a concussion or shoulder injury. Uh, ultimately, there are more questions than answers in this San Francisco running back room. And so to be able to go out and acquire Jeff Wilson, who is on the pup, he's got uh, he's got four more weeks of being off the fields, um, might be kind of a sharp play. I don't, I don't know. Uh, from, from your point of view, John, do you think that in four weeks' time, these injury situations are going to kind of resolve themselves uh, to the point where – it might be all for naught, or you think this could be a heady play where he's going to get a guy that could be in the mix for touches if any of these injuries linger. You know, what I I don't know about this because, you know, San Francisco just kind of rotates their running backs around. So, you know, it, it, for $30, it's, it's, it's a gamble. Um, we'll see how how that how that stable kind of rolls out and how how they come out of the the trainer's room um but you know if it works out that's great um i i personally i don't think that any of these injuries with with san francisco's running backs are that significant and they're going to keep that keep them off the field for that long um so it's risky, uh, but if Jeff Wilson comes back healthy, you know that that may be their guy. He may be their touchdown guy. Um, but like I said, they love to rotate those running backs in and out. Very run-heavy offense. So, you know, it's kind of like it, it, it's gambling to to figure out. You know, is this going to be the guy this week? Is this going to be the guy next week? Um, you know, we'll see. I I don't. I, I can't pretend to know that four weeks from now what San Francisco's running back core is going to look like. Um, 
I would love to, and I, I feel like uh, Shanahan would love to, to know that as well. Um, but, you know, that being said, a lot of uncertainty. Let's shift into Thursday night game, Thursday night's game with uh, Carolina and Houston. Uh, Houston, I, I don't even know where to begin with Houston. Um, Carolina looks like a football team. Houston might have trouble against the Astros. What are what are you thinking for this week, Eric? Yeah, I mean, Thursday night football has a long history of just putting up absolutely matchups into these island games. Um, so, you know, we, we look at this week and granted, and, and all credit goes to them, the Carolina Panthers are actually playing some really good football, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, but they are matched up against an absolute cupcake of a Houston Texans team that is now rolling out their should be third string, technically second string rookie quarterback in, in David Mills. So, um, you know, I, I really don't see how there's any path to uh, being competitive in this game for the Texans themselves. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't fantasy intrigue, right? Um, you know, ultimately, I think we see a lot of Christian McCaffrey in in this week's game. Um, yep. You know, the the game plan for for this uh, for this Carolina Panthers offense is one that always heavily involves him from a volume standpoint. They lean on him running the ball and receiving the ball out of the backfield in order to establish these what will be early lead tomorrow night, and then they'll go right back to the well to salt away the game and, and run through the clock, right? So um, I, I do think, no surprise, uh, we can expect a lot of a lot of points from the fantasy game, uh, specifically for Christian McCaffrey. Um, on, on your end, are, are there any players that, um, you know, you think you might be able to uh, watch there in garbage time to rack up a few points or anything in particular that uh, that you've got highlighted for tomorrow's matchup? Uh, y- yes. Uh, I mean, it's a game that I'm not super excited to watch, but um, I, you know, I think that the point spread right now is eight points for Carolina. Um, and I think they will exceed that without question. Um, but speaking of garbage time and, and a rookie quarterback, you know, Mark Ingram might be their answer. So he might carry a, a big workload for the offense. Um, and so, you know, as an RB, RB2 flex position, Mark Ingram might be a good start if you've got him on your, your roster. Uh, just because the, I, don't, I don't think they're going to trust uh, a, a backup rookie quarterback to to do much um as far as as moving the ball um i don't expect them to move the ball because they're the texans this year um but you know in garbage time i think you know you've got your third team defense in there let them get some reps uh and i think mark ingram might be a guy to watch yeah the the funny thing about ingram is like conventional wisdom should say that uh, early down runner between the tackles runner is not going to see a whole lot of work in what projects to be a blowout game script for the Texans. 
but conventional wisdom is not a consideration for this Houston Texans coaching staff. Right? No. They, have, they have made it clear that regardless of circumstance, their plan is to run and run and run. So I, yeah. I don't think that it's going to be an explosive performance for Mark Ingram by, by any means, but I do think that he'll get a decent amount of volume and, you know, three and a half, three and a quarter uh, yards at a time, you know, can maybe stack together uh, a viable sort of flex uh, uh, type of outing. But this this Texans team, I don't know if you saw the highlight. There was there was a third down and 15 in this game against uh, Cleveland last week where they were able to pick up 13 yards and there was an offsides penalty against the Browns. And so that would give them the option of accepting the penalty and moving, uh, resetting the play to third and 10 or declining the penalty and sticking it fourth and two. And because they're the Texans, they decided to decline the penalty and punt the ball away. Classic. <laughs> they didn't even, they didn't even want another play to try to convert <laughs> on a first down. They're like, Nope. We're going to play the field position game. Yeah, where we know what we know what we got. We are down by uh, by a, a couple of scores. So um, conventional wisdom be damned when it comes to uh, this this Texans offense. Oh yeah, I mean it, that's uh, that's classic Texans, uh, you know, and it's it's kind of funny to watch, but not a ha ha funny thing. So. Uh, you know, we're we're uh, kind of watching a train wreck in slow motion, um, and I think tomorrow night is just gonna be brutal for Texans fans. Um, but yeah, that I think Mark Ingram and I said that's a that's a big a big night for Mark Ingram. Maybe twelve points. <laughs> I mean, we're, I, I don't expect big numbers from anybody playing or wearing a, a Texans uniform tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I think I think 12 points is probably the high end of the range for, for yeah. Mark Ingram. Um, you know, maybe maybe a, a bit of a deeper name, um, maybe even deep enough to where it's hard for you to remember him in Bears fandom. But Anthony Miller the Uh, the second round pick for the bears a few years back who was cast aside and then cast aside again and then walked over a bed of broken glass and hot coals and was picked up by the texans um he now is all of a sudden potentially in the mix for a role here um you know brandon cook's position as the primary pass catcher is still very much so cemented but you look at the players that were behind him on the the depth chart and most of them were lost to injury in in week two nico collins was placed on ir danny amendola houston's own uh came off of a pretty solid week one performance is now nicked up and has been ruled out for tomorrow night's game so ultimately sort of out of nowhere after a couple of dnps um but we're, we're going to see anthony miller thrust into game action on on thursday night and he could be uh, sort of a deep stash for anyone playing in a showdown game or kind of deeper fa- uh, fantasy formats that are that are looking for um, you know kind of a, an under the radar name to roll the dice on. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I think, uh, like you said, Houston doesn't roll the dice when it comes to downs and 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 uh, you know, getting getting uh, the 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 ball moved into the end zone. Um, but yeah, it's it it'll be an interesting gamble, um, and I'll, I'll be interested to see see how Anthony Miller plays, especially with a rookie quarterback. Um, but yeah. Again, not excited about the game this weekend. But that's enough talking about Thursday night football. Uh, we've got a couple of guests here tonight. Uh, we're really excited to, to have join us. Um, excited to welcome in Jay Felicio from the Front Yard Fantasy Group, as well as his co-manager, Brian Garland. Um, to get us started out today, Jay, why don't you tell us what charity you're sporting in this league and why you chose that group? So I am uh, the charity I chose is called Child's Play, uh, not the the old horror movies, but it's a Child's Play <laughs> charity. It's a, and what they do is they supply video games to pediatric hospitals. And Ooh. the reason that I chose that is um, I've spoken about this before, but not everybody knows. I have an immune deficiency. Um, I have a, a disease called it's a mouthful. Get ready for this: X-linked agammaglobulinemia. Yeah, I'm gonna so not say, try to say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's called XLA for short, and that's for a reason. Um, All right. Basically, yeah. I was originally born in New York. We moved to North Carolina for Duke Hospital because um, they are one of the best in the world for what I have. And one of the things that I remember from you know, I'm 35 years old. I'm dating myself. Was one of the the first things I remember is there used to be one NES in the that's pediatric it. hospital, and they would cart it around. And those days that I was able to play that, it, it made things fly by. I mean, there was a, one point where the treatments took eight hours. So to be able to, to uh, have that, and then as I got older, they were available. Um, they, they started to give more and more, and I just remember how much that meant to me, to have something to feel like a kid, to, to not have to worry about the treatment that I was going through, um, to be able to help kids that are going through similar or even worse things than I had to deal with. Um, it just, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. I know how much it means to those kids uh, because it meant that much to me. Oh, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, you know, I've never had to, to spend any time in a hospital, but I can imagine as a child, that's like having that out as a, you know, playing video games and not thinking about, you know, being yep. in a hospital. Yeah, exactly. Is, is, is great so that's that's great i hadn't heard about that i'll have to look into that yeah yeah man. and i had to go every three weeks so it was basically once oh. a month i was in the hospital for oh hours my God. so to be able to go and you know play the video games it was it was it was help the time pass definitely Ugh. so as a little follow-up question how did how did you hear about uh the pros with joe's charity league just through Twitter, you know, a lot of people that um that were, you know, I've been pretty involved on Twitter the past couple of years, especially as I've started to up my content creation a little bit. Um, and I just, I came across it on Twitter. A lot of people that I'm friends with were involved. I actually, uh, I'm not sure who I spoke with initially, but I just, I shot and said, hey, I'd, I'd love to be involved if there's, you know, any room. And it happened. I, I jumped in last year with the first year. Um, and yeah, I just, I love the cause. It's fun to play with, you know bigger names than myself, you know, people, you know, friends with, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I watch this league as a, as a commentator. So I, you know, I just get to watch these, 
these guys that are, you know, big names in fantasy and just watch these moves and these drafts. And it's super interesting to me. And, you know, I not going to lie. I use a little bit of it on my side in my, in my own league. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's really great uh, to, to have you guys that, that have, have been exposed to fantasy football for a, for a long time and are, you know, are pros. Um, but we've got, we've got your Joe here, uh, Brian Garland. How you doing? How you doing, gentlemen? Oh, we're living the dream. Uh, so tell us, Brian, how how are you? Uh, how are you associated with pros with Joe's, and and what's kind of your background in in playing fantasy football? Um, well, Jay uh, is in one of our dynasty leagues together, um, and he uh, put something on Twitter that he was looking for a Joe, basically. Yeah. Um, so I saw what his um, foundation that he was representing uh, was all about, and I figured, why not? You know, I'll give it a shot. I, I put a donation in and um, came out with the golden ticket. So um, <laughs> I got to team up with Joe instead of going up against him now. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah different, different standing, but, you know, it, it's for a good cause. And um, I appreciate what Jay does for that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah for so, sure. so you guys have you've got a little history of, of facing off uh, against each other. What's yeah. the what's the dynamic been like now now playing together? Are you guys butting heads anywhere? Has there been any any tough decisions you've had to make? Uh, in, in a fourteen team league, it, it's tough. Um, <laughs> so you get your you get your starters, and and the rest is uh, a prayer, basically. So. We really we worked well together. Our philosophies really meshed well. You know, if there was a close call, it was, you know, we basically took turns. Okay, it was my call last time. You go this time. It, we've we've worked really well. We both, you know, being one quarterback, we, we wanted to wait on quarterback. We both wanted to go heavy on running back. So our philosophies meshed well. It was it was pretty easy. Well, that, that kind of just tees up uh, a question I have later, but uh you know, y'all y'all are coming off a strong showing last week uh, against Team Erickson. Um, you know, both weeks you've seen Cooper Cup just carry you guys. Who are you looking for? You know, at, at some point, I think Cooper Cup has to stumble. Who Don't do you have that. there? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I, I'm so downtrodden with my team right now. Like I, I just all these injuries this week. I'm just like at, at some point Cooper Cup is going to stop throwing up 38 points a game. But who are you looking for if if Cooper Cup stops his production? Help. <laughs> no, we we do have a lot of running back depth. Um, We've got yeah. a couple of younger guys in there. Um, Javante Williams, Tyson Williams, uh, they're both young. Uh, they're starting to prove themselves if they get the full option. Uh, right now they're in timeshares, so their numbers are a little down, but uh, they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, we, we were lucky to get uh, Tyson Williams late before Gus Williams went down, so that's been a huge help for us. We've got Nick Chubb, who's one of my my favorite running backs in the entire league. I I couldn't believe we got him where we did. I think we what we have the twelfth or thirteenth pick, I believe. So we got him late. Then we doubled back up with Jonathan Taylor, who really hasn't gotten things started yet. Uh, Jamar Chase has looked great. 
And I expect big, big things out of DJ Moore this year. The Panthers have looked great. Uh, Sam Darnold has, has looked like he's got that post-gay spump. Um, uh, you know, so hopefully he keeps it up. I could definitely see him being a guy who could carry us for a weeks as well. As a Bears fan, I keep waiting for that post gaze bump. It might be the post naggy bump. <laughs> well, and it, yeah, the way it's the way it's going this year. Uh, yeah, you talked about about all your youth on your on your on your team right now, but let's talk about your quarterbacks because it seems like you guys picked a couple of elder statesmen for your your qbs was was that a a draft strategy or just kind of whatever's left we both agreed that we wanted to wait on quarterback um and it was really just what value fell to us i was really happy to get ryan Tannehill, even though he started off week one slow he looked a lot better this week um didn't necessarily want big ben but it was one of those situations (laughs) that you you take what you can get at the end he's really gonna be a bi-week fill-in and that's pretty much it uh, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger's one angry look of a defensive end away from his leg falling off at this point. I, I mean, he he is just held together with duct tape and prayers. Um, so that that one really stuck out to me. But, uh, you know, to each their own. I, I know the quarterback is not highly valued in the league, but um, the, the Ben Roethlisberger as a bye week, I, you know, he has those flashes of, of greatness every now and then where he's throwing up, you know, 24 points. And so maybe, maybe in your bye week you get that, uh, that kind of production from, from old Ben. Hopefully that's the only time we have to start him. <laughs> <laughs> so one week. I don't, yeah. I don't know if at this point Ben's going to be around for the bye week, right? He's got that. Oh, come injury. on. He looks absolutely in week two. <laughs> yeah. Really, really what I'm hoping to do is lay the path for you guys to start planning for your bye week early because I don't I don't know if banking on Ben Ben still being around at that point. Maybe a uh, maybe a dollar flyer on Dwayne Haskins isn't the worst idea in the world. I don't know. I might rather I don't know about you, Brian, but I might rather go with no quarterback than go with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Oh, uh. <laughs> on a matter of principle, right? It's a, it's a flex. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, speaking of, of players sitting out, um, Eric mentioned earlier that we're starting to see some some players get tagged with with COVID. Um, so, as like how how do you guys see this this playing out? As you know, COVID is not going anywhere. Obviously, um, do you guys see some some big names uh, potentially going down with 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 the COVID tag or? You think these guys are playing pretty straight and you know honest and not going out on a Saturday night? Brian, I'll let you take it first. What you think? They're going out. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're young kids. I mean, the league is younger and younger every year, so they're, they're, I'm sure they're going out. Yes, they are supposed to be safe. Yes, they're getting tested a lot, but um, it's probably going to come back, and hopefully not. Um, detrimental to the to the league um with the new forfeit rules and and yep. whatnot it, it could be it could be a disaster it really could be so yeah, well, I, and that's okay. it's gonna rear its head at some point in time we were week two we already see it with antonio brown but like i said hopefully it's just it's not going to be to the same extent as last season 
because uh, that was pretty ugly. I wound up having to start Nick Foles one one week last season because I <laughs> I had Lamar Jackson and their game got moved. So yeah, hopefully that that type of situation doesn't happen again. Yeah, I think with um, with Antonio Brown coming down with with the cocoa today, he's got like a five or six hour buffer in terms of the absolute <laughs> minimum amount of time that he's got to have for him to get those two negative tests, tests within a twenty four hours period, apart. Right? Yeah. 24 hours apart, right? Oh, um, okay. So he'll, he'll have about four or five hours to play with to to try to come up with those two sets. So any anyone banking on on AB this week might might want to start working on that backup plan. Yep, 100%. Yep. So rolling forward, we we did have a couple of questions come in from listeners and fans of the show. Um, I'll, I'll start it off here uh, from the top. It looks like our first question is someone who runs waivers a little bit later than traditionally seen. And right now, they are making a choice between Cordero Patterson or James White as the player to acquire. They want to know if they should drop either or both of Trey Sermon or Ronald Jones. And this this player does roster Eli Mitchell. Hmm. So it's James White and Cordero Patterson looking to pick up and drop either Rojo or Sermon. That's right. Yeah. Either or both. If it was PPR, I'd pick up James White. Definitely. Uh, He's the first over Patterson, even though Patterson's looked well. Right. This is full PPR. I, I should uh, James White's got to be a pickup then. Um, uh, you could probably drop either of them. Honestly, I'd keep Rojo just by the chance he starts playing like Rojo, but fumbleitis and uh, <laughs> Bruce Arians being Bruce, Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From the next Belichick. You know, they... Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm with that. I, think, I think I would do the same thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are going ahead and, and cutting Trey Sermon. In a situation like this, yeah, I would drop Sermon for James White, but. I wouldn't go out of my way to get rid of Trey Sermon. You know, it's only two games. We've seen the injuries that have happened in the San Francisco backfield. There's talks a Sermon could play this week. I don't think it's going to happen, but it doesn't seem like, you know, hopefully he's able to pass the concussion protocol sooner rather than later. And, you know, there's a reason they traded up for him. I think they're going to use him before the season's over. Yeah, for for me, it feels feels a little hasty, right? Like following – following the money of, of what they invested to acquire Trey Sermon services um, and then put in the context of the mash unit that is this, uh, this running back room for the, for the 49ers. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of sort of locking in the starting running back for, for this team, for this Kyle Shanahan offense, whether it's Sermon or Mitchell. Um, so I, I would probably try to find someone else to let go before I let go of Sermon. Well, I didn't uh, know that was an option. Otherwise, I would have said the same thing. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I'm probably a bit Pollyanna when it comes to that. Anytime someone asks me if they should cut this person, I'm like, you've got to have someone worse than right. that. <laughs> yeah. And one other thing I'll add, too, is it depends if you're starting them. If, if it's somebody that's a bench stash – you know, James White is solid. He's going to get you double-digit points, but his upside is capped. Trey Sermon has a much higher upside. Ronald Jones has a much higher upside. So if it's somebody that you're looking for a bench stash, I would hang on to the other guys. If it's somebody who you need as a flex or a, an emergency running back too, then I would go with uh, James White. 
Yeah, the the thing with White, we might have just seen his upside game. So it's it's probably all floor from here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So next question coming in, it is a half point PPR. Uh, they're asking us to rank the top three of this lot for the rest of the season. So we talked about those injuries in San Francisco. We got Jock Patrick. We got Boyd from Cincinnati. Jay, I think I know who your choice is. We got Sterling Shepard, Visca Chenault, Marvin Jones, Rondell Moore, and Waddle for the Dolphins. So kind of a, a pretty closely bunched group of players. Who do you think are the top three for the rest of the way out of, out of that lot? Well, depending on how long two is going to be out, I think Waddle's the guy that I would want the most out of that group. Um, Sterling Shepard, while I love what he's done so far, uh, one, Saquon Barkley is going to continue to play better as the season progresses. And Butterfingers, uh, Evan Ingram is coming back, which they play a similar part of the field. He could take away some targets. I do like Sterling Shepard, so um, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say four guys. I'm going to say Sterling Shepard. <clears throat> and Rondell Moore and Visca. Um, I'm not out on Visca Jets yet. Ooh. Obviously, I'm, I'm a huge Visca fan, um, but he's still getting 20% of the targets, even though the, the Jacksonville Jaguars offense has not looked that good. Um, he's averaging eight targets per game. It's eventually going to click for this offense. Trevor Lawrence uh, has looked bad. He's looked really bad, um, but I don't think that's going to be the case all season. So I still think Visca is going to be involved. You know, I've, I've been high on Visca for a very long time. If you follow me on Twitter, um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not delusional saying that he's going to be a wide receiver one or anything like that. But he's got, <laughs> the, he's got the talent to put up some big games. Yeah, I, I, I handpicked this question, I looking, so. to, <laughs> looking to pit Visca versus Sterling Shepard to see what side of the line you you came out on. Uh, Brian, any uh, any guys that maybe you uh, you differ with uh, Jay's opinion from that lot? Uh, uh, Waddle for sure is probably number one. Rondell Moore is probably my number two. Um, he's eating targets in Arizona right now. Um, AJ Green, I think, is basically washed up, so he'll, he'll probably be the number two over there. Um, and then it is probably between Shepard and Visca. Um, gross, but you know, uh, I'll, I'll probably take Visca uh, <clears throat> slightly, you know, just because of the youth and. Uh, you know, lack of other targets there. So and I, I pay out him 20 bucks to say that. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, whatever, whatever you have to do to keep your, keep your Visca narrative going. I, I understand. <laughs> so our, uh, our, our last question coming in um, is, is kind of an interesting one. We, uh, I don't feel like I see a lot of questions about uh, depth pieces. And we had a question come in. Uh, from someone asking if, in light of the Andy Dalton injury, is it time to drop Trevor Lawrence for Justin Fields as his second quarterback? That is a tough one. That's a fun one. That is. (laughs) And I'm a Bears fan, so be careful. Uh, (laughs) The only thing that worries me about that scenario is Maggie saying today that Dalton is a starter when he comes back. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think yeah. Fields is going to run away with this job. You know what? If this was before the season, I would say Trevor Lawrence. But as bad as he's looked, and Justin Fields is going to be able to 
give you that nice safe nice safe floor with some rushing upside i i think i'd go fields over lawrence and don't tell our friend jeff bell that because i'll never hear the end of it (laughs) i i think that's i i think i agree because you know justin fields has a great offensive line and he has an enormous amount of targets and he can run where the bears can't so you know i i I think the value by there is justin fields like is he going to make the same rookie mistakes as as trevor lawrence probably he didn't look great in week in the in the second half he threw a really ugly interception but yeah but i i think he has a higher upside than than trevor lawrence especially in this season next season i think trevor lawrence is going to be trevor lawrence from clemson but you know when urban meyer is coaching usc but (laughs) yeah (laughs) urban meyer might be coaching usc before halloween (laughs) (laughs) uh so any any more questions that that we that you wanted to to touch on eric um actually i did have one more that that trickled in late uh pretty straightforward full point ppr uh specific for week three are you starting Cortland sutton or are you banking on some garbage time from brandon cooks brian you want to go sutton yeah, without a doubt i I, yep. can't, I can't trust david mills uh davis mills whatever his name is he's no, he's no. You got to go Sutton. He's establishing himself now with Teddy Bridgewater, so you almost got to go Sutton there. Yep, hundred percent. I completely agree with Brian. And the, the Panthers' defense has looked really well. Right, so, and, and right. I just picked them up in my home league to start them tomorrow. So hopefully they play really well tomorrow. But yeah, Brian said it all. There's no way you could start Brandon Cooks over Sutton with with Davis Mills the quarterback. Yeah, I. You know, we've been waiting for Cortland Sutton to have his breakout year for three years now uh and this is finally the year that i think that he's he's really saying hey i'm here now um and so to me that's a no-brainer Cortland sutton is going to get you you know he's done what 68 points or something in the first two weeks uh you know i think he's going to have a bust out a, a a bang up year this year um and with the houston offense you you don't know what you're going to get, but you're not going to get anything on Thursday night. I I can tell you that. Well, I'm yeah. probably going to be showing my age here. I don't know how long you guys have been playing, but back in my day, it used to be the third year wide receiver breakout. You know, we've got spoiled with guys like Justin Jefferson and Odo Beckham and Mike yep. coming and just performing, you know, out of the gate, but it takes guys some time. You know, it's, you don't just give up on guys after one season and Sutton shown flashes. So, you know, it would be right in line with, with, the the natural progression of a lot of wide receivers in the NFL to have that third season breakout. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I remember watching him when I was in college uh, and he was in college. Um, oh, I, I was a college fan. <laughs> proud, proud, uni- proud university of North Texas fan. Uh, <laughs> but I, I remember watching Cortland Sutton thinking this kid you know as he burned north texas uh this kid's gonna be good and we're starting to see him really come out of his shell um and i i think you're gonna get a a a good year or three from him um if you guys have him in your dynasty leagues that's a player to to earmark for next year 
Um, yeah, I think he's going to have a, a, a blowout year um, with that with that Broncos offense. Yeah, I was in yeah. college over over ten years ago, so thanks for making me feel old. I appreciate it. Uh, ten? Come on, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> my my twenty year high school reunion is next Saturday, so my twenty fifth is next year. So respect. All these gray beards on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the thing for me with with Cortland Sutton, uh, uh, more so this Denver offense, I just. Every year, at least these last two years, I've been hoping to see both Sutton and Judy on the field, yeah. and we we are just robbed of that every time. So next year, when Aaron Rodgers is throwing passes, and going, <laughs> have a lot of so Judy, Judy will be back before the end of the season. Hey, we did it with Peyton. We're doing it with yeah. Rodgers too. So. We'll, we'll, hey, we'll take the veteran quarterback off anybody's hands. So the Bears would like a word. <laughs> no, please, you got your quarterback of the future. <laughs> That's what we said about Mitch Trubisky. But uh, <laughs> where are we where are we at now? <laughs> hey, I have Daniel Jones as my starting quarterback. Okay, so I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> Although he did look good last week, but I'm still as bad. a running back or a quarterback. As a running back, <laughs> isn't he QB four right now? QB five, depending okay. on format, but yeah, but QB five, yeah, he's much better fantasy. than most projections. Fantasy, fantasy wise, he's putting up numbers. <laughs> right. Real life, not so much. Well, I I think that wraps up pretty much all the questions we have from the the web. Uh, I'd like to thank Jay and Brian. Uh, thank you guys for. For coming on, I, um, Brian, we're gonna go to you. Anything you want to say or, or give a shout out to anybody while we, while you have the air? No, man. Uh, thank you guys for putting this on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay, for having me. Um, we'll we'll meet both in Dynasty and this week with Pros with Joe. So, um, oh, are y'all playing this we week? Play this we week play this week and oh, no. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting this week. That's what oh, I like. So. Uh, might might have to follow up with that and see uh-huh. how it pans out. Uh, we'll, we'll bring it up, you know. We'll let you guys know how things shake out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jay, why don't you uh, take a moment and tell everybody where uh, they can find you on the internet? Yeah, you know, follow me on Twitter at GmanJ. Brian, thank you for being willing to play with me once I found out that you were my – I'm not a pro – I hate the whole phrase with Joe thing. not trying to, to poo-poo on anything, but I'm far from a pro – uh, I'm just it's it's fun to co-manage a team with a friend. You know, we played a league together for a few years now, so I'm really excited to to co-manage this team with you. Um, I am a part of the team at Front Yard Fantasy. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we do a lot of fun stuff over there. Jay is being modest. He loves to flex on his home league. <laughs> yeah, come on, own it, own it, Jay. Yeah, you know, yeah, my home league. Yeah, well. Although I won my home league two years ago, I uh, was in last place last year. But you know that's what happened. Hey, when you hey. have Michael Thomas, Saquon Barkley, uh, Miles Sanders, Nick Chubb, basically everybody who got hurt, and you have to yeah. start Nick Foles because of COVID, <laughs> you're going to be in last place. It's just I happens. had Saquon and Nick Chubb in a league last year, so, so you I understand feel, my pain. I feel your pain, and also uh, your comment earlier about Saquon only going to improve this year. I hope you're right. <laughs> so do I. But I don't. 
I don't buy it. <laughs> Even 80%, I don't think he'll ever be 100%, but 80% of Barkley getting the touches he's getting still be pretty good for fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, like like John said, Brian, Jay, thank, thank you both for participating again this year and, and for absolutely. spending a little time with us tonight. Um, we are, as always, with our handout, we're still raising money as the season goes on. So if anybody wants to get involved, um, you know, give a little, give a lot, whatever you can, you can head over to our Twitter page. It's at Pros with Joes. You can head directly to our website. It's proswithjoes.com. We're still fundraising all the way through week 18 of the season. That's still weird to say. Um, Anybody wanting to (laughs) check out our work, uh, check out this podcast, you can do so at drrodo.com. This year we are powered by drrodo.com and the new website, and we are a proud member of the Dr. Roto Podcast Network. So wherever you get your podcasts, uh, just search for Pros with Joes or the Dr. Roto Network. When you get there, scroll on down and click that little subscribe button. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It really goes a long way in spreading the word about the work we're doing. And as always, we will see you next week. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out DrRoto.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.